Welcome to another edition of Alternative News, brought to you by Andrew Irving from the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament. In this week's Alternative News, we will speak about the federal elections held on the 21st of May 2022. The Australian people have spoken and given a strong mandate that urgent action is needed to address climate change. The election of the Labor government highlighted a new era in Australia's approach to nuclear disarmament and non-proliferation. From the moment the UN Treaty on Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons came into existence in 2017, the Australian Government under Turnbull and Morrison remained hostile to it and refused to sign on. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese is a long-time supporter of nuclear disarmament and non-proliferation, inspired by his late mentor Tom Uren, a former Labor minister who witnessed the atomic bombing of Nagasaki as a prisoner of war. In proposing the resolution committing to the treaty in 2018, he said that nuclear disarmament is a core business for any Labor government worth its name. This election shows us that breaking the two-party system is possible. The CICD congratulates the new PM Anthony Albanese and his government also congratulates the Greens on their significant results. These wins in the lower House and Senate will enable progressive reforms through legislation. The election of independent crossbenchers together with Greens has caused a serious blow to the two-party system. An opportunity opens up to improve the position of the workers and undermines monopolies if backed by an intensified struggle, mass mobilisation and organisation. The Australian people responded positively to progressive policies on the environment, housing, wage rises, cost of living and integrity commission. It was also not surprising that after the mishandling of the attacks on women and misogyny policies, that women stood up and will, as a result, play a greater role in Parliament. The elections has shown that when people come together and organise, real change is possible. Australian foreign policy. Australia has a long history and experiences of a high level of foreign interference, in particular from the United States, which was involved in the dismantling of a democratically elected Australian government in 1975. The US exercises strong influence over Australia's foreign policy through the US-Australia Alliance, exercises excessive economic influence through the US majority ownership of three quarters of all large corporations in Australia and political influence through US initiated and led organisations such as the Australian US Leadership Dialogue. No other foreign country exercises a level of influence over Australia's affairs. The new Labor government foreign policy says it will respect the people of all countries and seeks peaceful and mutually beneficial relations. Australia's independence from all big imperialist powers is in Australia's best national interests. 
the opposition to foreign interference in a country's foreign and international affairs includes opposition to such interference in our own country. We need to reject all interference and establish an independent foreign policy and remove all foreign bases from our soil. The current focus by government, the corporate media and pro-US think tanks on identifying agents of foreign influence in Australia is wholly focused on Chinese influence. There is no reason other than subservience to US aggressive policy on China and to focus on China alone. Hopefully the new Labor government, together with progressive independents, will be able and willing to settle disputes between countries peacefully and, if necessary, with the assistance of independent international courts and organisations without interference from other countries not involved in the dispute. This includes the dispute over islands and reefs in the South China Sea. Countries such as the US and Australia which coastlines are nowhere near the South China Sea, should remove their foreign military bases and warships and cease provocative freedom of navigation exercises in the South China Sea region. The US and Australian governments must stop interfering and inflaming these centuries-old conflicts and allow countries directly bordering the disputed South China Sea to resolve these conflicts peacefully themselves. Taiwan is internationally recognised as a part of China and must be allowed to resolve their differences peacefully, also without foreign interference. The federal budget cannot be balanced and urgently needs funds directed to public health, hospitals, schools and other social needs. Unless there is a dramatic reduction in spending on war preparations, other offensive weapons and military commitments such as AUKUS, this cannot be achieved. Peaceful and mutually beneficial relations in our region will only happen when the countries in the Asia-Pacific see Australia's commitment to de-escalating the West's promotion of strategic tensions and there is an escalation of funding for friendship, development and environmental change. Mainstream Media Reporting of Ukraine The US news media's treatment of the Ukraine issue has long been characterised by blatant favouritism. Media doesn't conceal Ukraine's corruption and authoritarianism, which has grown even worse since the outbreak of war with Russia. Media coverage moved quickly from ignoring or minimising inconvenient information about Kiev's political and economic system to adopting outright Ukraine propaganda. For example, multiple unfiltered stories from Ukrainian news outlets have become a nearly daily feature on Yahoo's newsfeed. Official statements and press releases from Ukraine's government also appear on Yahoo and other outlets, frequently without any acknowledgement that the accuracy of these accounts could not be confirmed. There are very few competing accounts in these outlets from Russia, news sources, or even from America's analysis 
that challenges the dominant narrative. The willingness of the US press to foster a favourable image of Ukraine knows few bounds. During the early weeks of the war, American news outlets even circulated the story about the ghost of Kiev, the fighter pilot who supposedly became a superhero in a matter of days by shooting down numerous Russian warplanes. That account had all the earmarks of transparent propaganda, and the Ukrainian military ultimately conceded that the story was fictional. In the meantime, however, it served its purpose well as propaganda for trusting Western audiences, and the US press aided that effort. The coverage of Kiev's retraction of the story was noticeably limited. An especially egregious performance has occurred with respect to the role of the Azov Battalion in Ukraine's defensive effort. The Azov Battalion was notorious for years before the Russia-Ukraine conflict as a stronghold of extreme nationalist and outright Nazism. That aspect proved to me more than just a source of embarrassment to the Ukraine supporters when the unit became a crucial player in the battle for the city of Mariupol. The West, especially US press, sought to portray Ukraine's resistance to the Russian siege as a heroic effort similar to the Battle of Stalingrad in World War II. It is hardly a new aspect of the US media performance regarding foreign conflicts that journalists are willing to sanitise the image of whatever faction Washington favours. Most of the mainstream media did that with respect to the Kosovo Liberation Army during the conflict in the Balkans. The same has been true of news stories and commentaries on insurgents trying to unseat Syria's president Bashar al-Assad. Very few accounts accurately describe the most influential components of the rebellion forces as the jihadists that they were. However, the coverage of the Ukraine war threatens to achieve a new low in media integrity and credibility when the establishment press whitewashes the behaviour of outright neo-Nazis. Something is terribly amiss. The US sanctions on Turkey because they do business with Russia. Who pays the price in the US? as NATO continues to escalate its proxy war against Russia in Ukraine by sending tens of billions of pounds worth of weapons into the war zone. Voices in support of peace, dialogue and negotiation are becoming increasingly censored and silenced by the Western mainstream media. The Western media's coverage of the conflict in Ukraine has been characterised by a narrow consensus of reporting, which significantly distorts and overlooks the geopolitical and historical context and largely ignores alternative voices. NATO's moves to escalate the war are giving unquestioning support. Dissenting and critical voices are smeared with governments and social media platforms banning any independent commentators and alternative media. With NATO's dangerous escalation threatening to prolong the war in Ukraine and increase the suffering of Ukrainian people, it is urgent that a balanced and objective public discussion on the path towards de-escalation and peace takes place. The scale of the West's attack on free speech, plurality and debate. 
What are the dangers of this climate of censorship? Why is there an attempt to shut down alternative media platforms, including Russia Today, China Global Television Network, and other alternative voices in the West? NATO's aggressive eastward expansion, the growth of Ukrainian neo-Nazis, the US-backed coup in Ukraine in 2014, the eight-year civil war in the east of Ukraine, the real global consequences of the West's sanctions against Russia. What is the mainstream Western media not telling us about the war in the Ukraine and why? Why are voices from the global south being excluded from the public debate on the war in the Ukraine? Lastly, I'd like to end the program by mentioning a note I have received from a long-time CICD member from Vietnam. Bruce McPhee said, What is the relevance of autocracy and democracy when it comes to waging and instigating wars? The US democracy has been at war one way or another all around the world almost continuously. Russia and China have primarily reacted to security threats against them closer to home. The US is the driver of the global war machine. Would world peace be possible if it was put into reverse gear? Who sets the boundaries of where China is allowed to go to do business? Wasn't China invited to the Solomons by its government because it offered a better economic deal and better relations than Australia? Are there any boundaries to where Australia can go to wage war? Africa, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria. The war in the Ukraine definitely was instigated by the US over decades, all of which has been well documented and is well known around the world. If Australians are not convinced of that, why would that be? Bruce. Tune is Radiothon on 3CR. Chip in a few dollars to keep alternative news on the air for another year. Head to 3cr.org.au slash donate and nominate alternative news. Brought to you by the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament on 3CR since 1976. Thank you for listening to Community Radio 3CR. Brought to you by the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament. I am Andrew Irving. Looking forward to your company next week. Music